Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. Hi there once again. Welcome to Industrial Talk. Thank you very much for joining the number one industrial-related podcast in the universe. (laughs) Dedicated to you. Industrial professionals all around the world because you're bold, brave, and you dare greatly. You're changing lives and you're changing the world. Thank you very much for what you do. We're going to have a quick intro because we've got to get right into the conversation with a gentleman by the name of Mike Bennett. Now, Mike Bennett is uh, he is the technical director at OMG, and we're talking standards. We're talking about how important that is. We are talking also about trustworthiness and why it's important. And you have to just sort of sit there and say, thank you. Thank you to people like Mike. Thank you to the organizations like OMG. Because, (laughs) you know, without these trustworthy standards, life would be just a little bit different. And I think we take that for granted. So anyway, Mike's in the hot seat. And you'll see, if you're out on the video, you'll see it's in a hotel room. Cool. First time I've ever interviewed somebody in the hotel room. But it was... Well done. Well deserved. He he was great. And again, I just want to make sure you understand. People like Mike, organizations like OMG, IIC, Digital Twin, the consortiums, all of that stuff, it's imperative that we have these trustworthy standards. And there's this collection of very smart individuals passionate about getting it right. And I'm truly thankful, and you need to be thankful about that, too, as well. All right. Let's get on with the conversation with Mike. Hey, Mike. Welcome to Industrial Talk. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yes, how are you? Well, thank you very much for asking. Thank you very much. Now, listeners, once again, in my intro, you heard that we are at uh, the Q1 Q1, uh, uh, meeting with OMG. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the first time I'm ever – this is the first time we've ever met. That's right. It is, huh? And uh, this is Mike. He is uh, the technical director, SDO, the Standards Development Organization. And that's what OMG is all about. Uh, before we get into that there, uh, Mike, give us a little background on who you are, just your, you know, your quick little CV. Right. I have a long CV, as you can probably guess. So oh, uh, I originally worked in industrial work in uh, fire and gas and control systems and things. And got into a lot of the testing and quality assurance side of things. And then I moved across to finance about 20-odd years ago and got very involved in financial industry standards, and particularly trying to apply that same kind of quality assurance thinking and how you demonstrate that things are correct and so on. So I kind of came to software as a non-programmer, as it were, learning how to uh, test and verify all manner of, of software and things. So then for years I got involved in the um, financial standards world. We have, as you can probably imagine, a lot of standards for interchange of data and for common models for financial instruments and all sorts of things. And I ended up creating a, a, a kind of, it's an industry resource that defines the meanings of the, the concepts in finance. If you want to know what is the difference between a mortgage-backed security and asset-backed security and you want some formal definitions of these things, I basically created that through an industry association called the Enterprise Data Management Council, and we brought that to the Object Management Group to make it a standard. So that's how I got involved with the OMG. I ended up heading up the Finance Domain Task Force while uh, piloting that um, 
ontology but status. It, but right? it's more than finance, right? Now, with mm. OMG, the standards, uh, oh yeah, a development organization, it's it's far more than that. It is, uh, mm. I mean, I, every time I have conversations um, with many in OMG, it, it's it's much more than that. Oh yeah, and it just never. I've never grown to appreciate the individuals and the the organizations that develop these standards to try to create a common lexicon, a common some help. I, I, I can can you sort of with the listeners be able to sort of give us an idea of what the standards development organization? What, what do you guys do? Yes. Yeah, so um, from what I learned from finance, when we have very specific kinds of things, is when you come to something like the OMG, we have two sides to the OMG as a whole. We've got what's called the platform and the domain side. So domain has you know, these kind of common lexicons and common kinds of interfaces and stuff like that. We've got things for robotics and space and uh, retail and all sorts of other things. Uh, government, of course, for information sharing and so on. And then the platform stuff is, you know, the OMG developed the unified modeling language uh, many years ago and that's still very much a, a live and going concern and we've built on top of that with various things like uh, system modeling standards and uh, uh, various other kinds of technology standards that are implemented by vendors in their technology platforms as you know, modeling tool vendors and so on so we kind of balance those two sides of things the domain and the platform and sometimes you'll you know, start with a domain thing like, say, blockchain is a, a, a big thing right now. And um, <laughs> I wish I could understand it. Every time I have a conversation, well, I walk away. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, so for a while I headed up a special interest group on blockchain here at the OMG, and, yeah, we were trying to figure that stuff out as well and uh, distinguishing between the technology and the cryptocurrency stuff, and there's some really good technology ideas there. And for that, although it started as a domain thing with like financial um, cryptocurrency and so on, it, it went to a platform uh, group for making standards because we're looking at you know, standard kinds of uh, um, interfaces and models and so on for, um, for, for, for how you basically use that kind of technology. So that's kind of a technology standard. So that's how we kind of balance the domain and technology side and, and you know, an idea might start somewhere, but it becomes something that needs to be a piece of middleware or it needs to be a modeling language or whatever it happens to be. So then we have an appropriate group for each of those kinds of things. How do you, uh, when you get to that point where you're having these, because we're here at uh, Q1, mm -hmm. and, and that's where all of the sort of the organizations, the, the uh, consortiums, everybody sort of gets together and they start talking about the standards and all of the, mm -hmm. the, the great stuff that's happening. How do you determine when a standard, when it's at a point where you can release it because it just seems like it's always, it never ends. Mm. It's just, there's gotta be a point where, okay, here, and then we're going to continue to come out with a version two and version, whatever it is. How do you guys determine that? Yeah. So we have a, a, a process for managing uh, uh, later iterations of the standard. Again, depending on what you're standardizing, I mean, standards can be anything from, you know, which way around you turn a screw as a standard, but it's so long ago, nobody had to publish it. But, uh, <laughs> You know, it could be simple stuff like that, which it's never needs point. to change. I never thought yeah. it's <laughs> clockwise versus counterclockwise. Oh, yeah. Somebody had to come up with that. That's right. It's like, I love it when you, you, you watch some <laughs> sci-fi thing, like, you know, one of these Star Trek kind of things, and people can come up to some completely alien thing and 
walk up with a little plug and plug it in and you think well I'd like to be at the standards meeting where they figured out how that was going to work because everybody just takes standards for granted you know I'm just without a doubt it is taken for granted and uh and I'm not I don't mean to walk on you because I want to understand the process but it, it's so true it's I want standardized connectors just just yeah. it's just so that they're standard anyway yeah and yeah well there's a there's a meta standards process there if you like is that who standards who standardizes the standardization so with connectors the european union for example is going to mandate that out of all these usb abc etc all phones are going to have to use a particular one for a particular point so you know there's a stage where you can choose between standards or you know a regulator authority can, <sighs> can mandate that you know this is the standard you will use or in financial reporting they'll say that you know, when you send in a report for something, it needs to be in this XBRL standard, for example. And uh, so, so, yeah, and go back to your, your question about the change management. So a standard has to be stable and not change in order to, you know, to work. But at the same time, the world is always changing, so there's always new things oh. coming through. So so we have to, you know, lock in. And sometimes people think, oh, you know, I haven't heard about this standard for a long time, nothing's changed well, maybe that's because it's fine. Maybe that's because it's got everything you want. You know, if you have a standard of how you issue unique identifiers for something, you probably don't want that to change. But then when you've got, you know, particularly um, domain verticals with lots of uh, new content, you know, some new kind of thing pops up. You know, we mentioned blockchain just now or other new financial models or something. Well, then you've got to have some process for evolution. So we have a continuous process of what we call revision task forces that take each stable version of the specification and identify what are the things that merit going into the next version of the standard. And we have a, a process. We have, you know, we're here to make sure there's a level playing field. We, we have a process that ensures that everybody that has a stake in a particular standard has the ability and the right to be involved at the right point and have their say in what's going to go into the next version of that standard and so on. So there's a balloting process and all sorts of complex machinery behind the scenes that makes See, all that work. This is, a, this is a question. I said, how long have you been sort of involved in uh, OMG? Just involved? Oh, just since like, about 2011 or 2012, I think. 2011, yeah. And, and what's interesting about that is, is because of the changes, because of things that happens all the time, do, does your process also improve? Like your, your ability to, to evaluate whether it's it's a standard that's worthy of, of, you know, elevating or whatever, whatever it is. You guys have those, have you seen that type of evolution in your process? Yes. So my, my current role, I'm relatively new at. So I was uh, heading up these uh, domain task forces and things. So I was kind of one of the members doing what we do and, you know, bending the rules if we, if we needed to. And now I'm the I'm the, the gamekeeper rather than the poacher, so I'm here to enforce those rules. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. so, so um, yeah, we've been running a very stable process for a very long time. The underlying principles are very clear. We always make sure that there's a, a real market need for a standard, that we're not reinventing something that's already done. Um, we always look out for there being some example implementation that tells us it's not going to be shelfware, for example. So we've got processes to ensure all that, and the principles are, are very solid. The process itself is very old and very solid, but it's it's always been under a, a process of uh, continuous uh, revision as well. So in the same way that with our standards, we make sure that all incremental changes are, are stable and well thought out and so on. So we have a, 
a task force that looks at you know potential gaps and issues yeah there might be something that we've always done in a particular way but what if somebody wanted to do something different or you know if we want to make sure for example when somebody submits a standard that there's always the tool set that they use to produce all that stuff you know what if they disappear how are we going to keep that standard alive so the, the the process for that is very clear and well established but there's new technologies being used that mean that the way we implement that may change that's just one example that came across my desk literally this afternoon so we're always looking at what are the things we may need to do to incrementally improve the process to meet current needs without losing the stability that were built up over all the years that the omg has been going honestly i i don't know how you do it i really don't given given what omg does get in and all of the standards and all of the new technology or let's say domains that are taking place out there there's and it's do you get a sense of there's a velocity there's like a speed that's happening maybe there's or has it always been very like oh did you what about uh you know like augmented reality, you know, that's like all of a sudden, you know, metaverse, all this whole new stuff. But it's still, even AI and having the guardrails around it. I mean, I, I it's fast. I don't know how you guys do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, AI is a good example, and particularly this uh, Chat GPT, which oh, is geez. well, it's it's using large language models, so it's not it's using words rather than the meanings or concepts, and that's something that we can probably improve upon with you know we have models for what we call ontologies which is about the meaning of concepts rather than just words so at the moment those ai systems are you know they're getting surprisingly good results because of having such a large corpus of material but when they say something it could look realistic and be completely wrong or completely right and even when it's right you don't know it's right that how would you do that how would because you're absolutely right i never thought of that with chat gpt all, all I know is like, give me a you know call to action, whatever the whatever the statement was, and it spit it out. Give me five options and spit it out. Yeah, but I, I never thought of that. How do you how do you do that? How do you also take AI this example and create some um, the guardrails to protect against mm. you know the, the the moral implications yeah. of all that? That's really important and. One of the things, so the OMG, we have a broader OMG ecosystem. So I mentioned earlier on that my position is with the SDO, the Standards Development Organization. Yeah. We've got a number of sister consortia. One of the most recent one is one called Responsible Computing. And that's one of the things I think where a lot of this oh, AI yeah, type yeah, of yeah. issues are going to come through, along with other you know, environmental type of issues as well. But, uh, you know, those, those kind of guardrails. So the, the, those consortia oh. don't set standards themselves, but they're one of many routes by which we get people come to us to say, well, here's something now that is well enough to find that we figure out there's something we can standardise. So I don't know what a standard would look like for that, but there's going to need to be standards around AI, around, you know, well, a good example would be explainable AI. You know, there is there are a few tools out there that allow you to do AI using what we call ontology, so the formal definition of the meanings rather than just the words. Now, there isn't anywhere near as big a corpus of material oh. for those things to work on, but there are tools that do that, so that gives you explainable AI. Now, somebody out there, some company reporting to their regulator might say, oh, yeah, we've got explainable AI, the same way that there's people saying, oh, yeah, we have ESG, you know, environment, right, right. sustainability, and, right, right. and governments. But as long as nobody's defined those three words, they can say what they like. Yeah. So how do you define that? So when somebody submits a report and says, yes, we're compliant with this AI 
explainable AI directive, you know, we can prove that the outputs of our AI are meaningful and therefore either true or false, but you know, not just meaningless. Um, how do they say that if we haven't defined the terms first? So that's where you start to see potential for standards. It's, it might be at a, at a sort of domain level oh. of, of the concepts, or it might be at the level of what process would an entity have to have gone through to demonstrate that anything that this AI will produce will be explainable, that it's linked to you know, some industry ontology or some other resource for you know, industry concept. But again, I, I struggle with the speed. I mean, what you and uh, others within the organization and the commitment and focus on developing those standards, that takes time. Yes, There's does. a lot of detail there. You know, the, you know that's how the sausage or the, the, is made. But then there's just this speed and this acceleration that happens, and it's just, it, it just seems like there's going to be a disconnect. Yes, yes. So, you know, I've spent a bit of time the last few years in the, the blockchain space, for example, and oh, it's a good example of where you questions have questions about these, that, too. Oh, yeah. It's right um, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Technology's good. Um, stay away from the imaginary money. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there are some good offerings even oh, in that yeah, space. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, but another technology has a lot of huge potential. Um, as long as the people doing it don't get distracted by the, you know, we're all going to get Lamborghinis and fly to the moon and all that yeah, you know, yeah. nonsense that's going on. And so... Um, what I'm seeing there is probably a, a sort of extreme example of what we've seen in a lot of software development these days, which is what's known as agile. And to me, yes. there's, there's actually there's two things. There's, there's agile, and then there's agile, in air quotes, because a lot of people just use it as a word to not have any process at all, whereas ah. true agile process, without the air quotes, is every bit as rigorous as the kind of waterfall and other industrial processes that went before. You know, I came out of hardware and you know electronics before I came anywhere near any software and I brought all those disciplines with me from hardware into software and it's doable but a lot of the people use sort of agile in air quotes as an excuse not to follow any kind of rigor uh, but you know with the right with a bit of imagination with the right design of process you can keep the rigor while allowing a more flexible and responsive and fast way of doing things than having to do one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing and having to do it all in a very procedural way. You know, it's just a matter of imagination to have faster and flexible processes that don't compromise the integrity of what you're producing. You know, God, the, just, the ability just, to demonstrate control yeah. at the end of it. I don't know, man. Tiger by the tail on this thing. Because there's a lot going on now. Went back to uh, blockchain. Oh yes. And I think I think myself, uh, I believe blockchain. The word gets a bad rap because it's always with crypto. But there's yeah. there's private blockchains. There's some value. There's some real great secure yeah financial value in that. There really is. There's a group in East Africa that's doing stuff on um, trade uh, life cycles and, and trade management and stuff, for example, and. The, the word we prefer to use for this is the thing called uh, distributed ledger technology. Yes. Because it's about being able to post non-repudiable records of things. And there's people I know in academia who are records management experts who've really picked up on this and are doing a lot of work in how that kind of DLT, distributed ledger system, can uh, provide uh, un, un, irrefutable records of things. You, know, you have a, a mortgage record or some deeds or you know, some kind of contract you want to lock in or something, 
Um, it provides a good way of ensuring that you have, uh, well, that you know what you have and that you have what you say you have. So uh, there's a lot of potential there. With that said, okay, so there's a I mean, is there a, a business case to be made for blockchain, like bottom line value? Like, yeah, it makes sense. Because every time I have a conversation with something about blockchain, it's always like, yeah, this is great, and it does this, and I, you know, I can see the record, and it's all great. But is there truly a, a, a value or a business case to be made for companies to implement things like that? I think there would be several distinct business cases. Um, it's like all these things. If you start with the technology looking for a problem, then you're just going to be wasting people's time. But if you've got a problem that you didn't previously have a way of addressing or addressing quite so well, for example, in supply chain management or in energy supply and things like that, there's a lot of potential there for where you would say, yeah. okay, at this point in my process, yeah. I want a non-reputable record yeah. of this state of the world at this point in time. Now, if you then you know, supplement that with, again, stronger definitions of what all the terms mean, using formal logic, for example, instead of just words that people might change their mind about what they mean, you know, it's very like law. You define your terms, then you build up on that into other defined terms, and then... You know, everybody knows exactly what they're signing up for. So that's where the use cases are. And that's why that's I think, as I say, supply chain and yeah. en energy and you know, possibly real estate and a few other areas like that where uh, there'll be individual um, business models that people will see that can make use of this technology and that can make use of standards that will need to be developed around that. For identity, for example, whether it's you know, self-sovereign identity for you, you saying who you are and... You know, being able to prove that you're you know, the right age to drink or you're able to drive a car or whatever in this state or that state without giving away lots of your personal information. So a lot of business models like that we're seeing both here and in, in Europe as well that people are working on on that. And again, I want to make sure that everybody's clear on this. This, this is nothing to do with blockchain. It has everything to do with um, managing transactions, understanding where they're at, and, and being able to do it in a secure and Exactly. And, and open. I think there's a transparency that's there too as well. That's saying, okay, yeah. That's right, yeah, yes. So, for Here's example, Mike. For, that's Mike. I know it's Mike because he's got whatever. It's Mike. Exactly. And you can have, you know, so self-sovereign identity, proving who you are, proving for what some thing yeah. is in the supply chain or, you know, having, and again, transparency, even in things like government and regulations and so on. You know, if, if, if citizens in any country are able to, see what the government is, do, is do doing. Do you have standards already out way. there for blockchain? Like, do do um, they exist? In, the, the, there are. There's a de facto standards body or sort of set of de facto standards coming out of the Ethereum Foundation. So they have these, what they call ERC, which are kind of similar to how the, the Internet people, the W3C, have these sort of RFCs. It's a similar thing to that. So yeah. for smart contracts and for particular variations of smart contracts, they've got a lot of standards on that. Uh, we've got an RFI out at the moment on um, smart contracts and looking to find what what areas there are that we could perhaps be doing more standardisation on. We looked a couple of years ago at some identity relations related standards. Again, the W3C has the definitive standard for that, but there's a lot of business scenarios we're seeing coming out of a project in the European Union for being able to have self-sovereign identity particular to one particular context or another, so you get more flexibility in how you do that still potential for a standard in that we don't actually have a, uh, a vendor submitting that to us so we're just gonna have to monitor that for now but there's a lot of potential for things that for these new business models to work 
there's going to be areas, whether it's at the level of an interface or the business definitions or the process or, you know, there's various kinds of things you can standardise. And because of the way we work at the OMG, when we build a standard, we build on uh, secure underlying platforms. So we have a meta-modelling standard when you have a, you know, a, a modelling language like UML or SysML or something. They're all built on a common meta-modelling standard. And so we're looking at, well, for other kinds of things that can be standardised, whether it's, you know, business meaning or process or, wow. you know, obviously with interfaces and stuff, we've got a lot of very strong stuff on that. We're looking to ensure that, you know, each standard that's built is built on a stable foundation of the right kind of um, building blocks that it's built up from so it all fits into a coherent architectural framework. I hate it. That sort of detail. We're here at the Q1. Yeah. And uh, what's your what's going to be your focus here at Q1? What makes Q1 a success for you? For uh, OMG, we've got a, a lot of things going on. We've got a, a big uh, finance event on Thursday that's uh, open and it's uh, virtual and in person. Um, it's fairly US focused. We're an international standards body, of course, but um, this particular focus is the um, recently passed Financial Data Transparency Act, which explicitly calls out for standards, uh, for specifically standards from voluntary consensus standards bodies, VCSBs, which is another acronym for what we are. Right. So we're bringing together a number of other standards bodies. There's, you know, I mentioned XBRL earlier, for example, is a very well-known, uh, well-used reporting standard in the financial space, and showing how... We interoperate with other standards groups, how we can help figure out the gaps in that space for standards, you know, what other things are needed to, to put it all together. And you know, that's, that's the public-facing um, thing with panels and stuff, but we've got the work to do to lead up to that. So on Tuesday and Wednesday, we've got finance and government coming together to uh, work our way through all those reporting issues you, and stuff. It's going to be it's fun. A, that's, yeah, the, my, that's my focus for this week. Yeah, see, it's heavy lifting. So uh, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're saying, hey, I like what Mike's saying, I want to be involved, I want to, I want to contribute, I want to know more, what's your recommendation for helping that individual get the information they need? Yeah, do get involved. Um, contact our membership people or if you've got any questions about the stuff we talked about, you can uh, contact me and... Um, Give you my email if you like. Uh, yeah, you do. That's uh, uh, Bennett at omg.org. It's Bennett with two N's and two T's. And uh, yeah, just uh, get involved. Be part of how the standards are made so that you know, oh. you're on top of it and your tool set can support it and you can you know, play in the standards you, world. I, I, you guys, I mean, it's, you, you guys are truly the unsung heroes. You just take it for granted. I mean, I'm just telling you right now, well, listener. If you're doing your job right, you should always be able to take them for granted. So. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like those space opera things. If you can plug that thing into the alien ship and read their chip, then <laughs> we've done our job. <laughs> All right, listeners, we're going to wrap it up on the other side. Thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk, and thank you once again for your support. We're going to have all the contact information for Mike out there, so fear not. You need to get, in, you need to get involved. You need to get involved, go out to omg.org. Yeah, or reach out to, to Mike and uh, guarantee you will not be disappointed. Stay tuned. We will be right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. All right. Once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk. And a hearty thank you to Mike for joining us 
on Industrial Talk at OMG Q1 meeting. That was a great event. Again, I'm always dazzled. You should be dazzled by individuals like Mike and other individuals that are engaged at OMG and all the consortiums that are developing trustworthy standards that we just take for granted. It's, it's just happening behind the scenes because things work right. When they don't work right, that's when it becomes a challenge. But kudos to Mike. Reach out to him. It'll all be out on Industrial Talk, as you will or you just know. Uh, his LinkedIn profile, the company, all of the stuff that you need to be engaged. Do it. At least begin to consume this information. All right, we're building a standard, an ecosystem that is uh, dedicated to you. Industrial professionals, get engaged. Go out to industrialtalk.com and you meet people like Mike. Be bold, be brave, dare greatly. Hang out with Mike and, and OMG and you will change the world. We're going to have another great conversation coming from this event shortly.